Father, that move that we pray for is a move on our heart. It's a move in our mind. It's a move that comes through our whole body. A move that only the Spirit can cause. There's no effort from us other than to surrender. We all want to hear from you. We want you to move on us beyond the norm. That's why we're here. To know you, to, to be intimate with you. We need that love. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. It is so good to have you here. You know, uh, I like to get right straight to the scriptures. And so I'm going to ask you to turn with me to Ephesians, the fourth chapter. And we're going to be talking about the, the economy of God. And when we talk about the economy of God, we're not just dealing with finances. We're talking about natural resources. We're talking about human resources. And we're talking about financial resources. Now, you got to understand that in Ephesians, we're learning about what is called this new humanity, this new person, this new society. And, that, and, and the world today is in need of that new humanity because all they see is a broken down humanity. And, and, and when you see a godless society, Everything deteriorates. Human resources, natural resources, and financial resources. So when you begin to look at these two verses, you won't pull economy out of that. But unless you dig down deep and see what he's getting at, then you'll eventually see that he is talking about an economy. Something that, that flows, something that has life, something that in itself is some careful management of what God has put into your hands. So when we look at verse 27 and 28, here's how it reads. It, it, it says, And do not give the devil an opportunity. And then it says, And let him who steals, steal no longer, but rather let him labor, perform his own hands was good. In order that he may what, have something to share with him who has need. Now, now, now he starts out by sharing with you the second part of the first part when he says, do not be angry and do not sin. Be angry and do not sin. And then he says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Then he comes back and says, do not give the devil an opportunity. Now, why was he in with that? And the next thing he talks about is stealing. And when you steal, what are you stealing? Most of the time when people think about stealing, they think about stealing money. But it's more than that. So this new humanity, this new society is supposed to teach this society without God how to function as a community. 
And so you need to get that part. You need to get that part that Christians all over the world need to be an example for the world to say. Even in how we have our money, how we have our power, how we have our possessions. That's a new society. That, that had not previously existed. The only one that existed before that was the one that was in the desert when Moses was doing some miraculous things by God's hand. And then all of a sudden you get this brand new society in Acts 2, 41 through 47. All of a sudden you start seeing something different. So God wanted the people to be able to see how a community should act, how they should treat one another. So therefore, the fourth chapter of the book of Ephesians, we get behavior. Do you know that 99.9% .9 of the Ten Commandments is about behavior? Did you know that? It's all about behavior. This is how you behave towards God, the first four. And then the last six is this is how you behave towards each other. Because if you are a godly people, then you must behave a certain way. So in this fourth chapter, we get down to verse 20, and it tells us, this is how you learn Christ. You didn't learn Christ this way. And then it begins to tell you from verse 20 all the way to verse 24 about be careful how you respond. Be careful that as this new humanity you control your anger. You don't let people uh, 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 be influenced by your anger or something. Then he says, don't uh, let the sun go down on it. And then he hits this point. He says, because in that anger, that anger is what a bedrock. It is a beachhead for the devil to work. And then he says this. He says, don't do anything to give the devil an opportunity. Don't do that. And then he starts mentioning the word stealing. So I want you to get this picture. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take some time to look at these scriptures. And I want you to ask yourself a question. Opportunity in your life is something that God brings about for his move, for his benefit. Can you be careful that you don't be the one that gives the enemy an opportunity mm. while God is giving you an opportunity to do something. I want you to think about that. And, and one of the ways you give the enemy opportunity is because of your attitude, because of your anger, because of the way you do things, the way I do things. He said, be careful of that. And when he says it, don't and do not give. Don't make or present yourself to this enemy. And this enemy is called the devil. They call him in scripture Satan. And, and Satan is this one who is what? The, the, the slanderer. He, he, he is the accuser. He is the traitor. He is waiting for an opportunity to accuse you of something, to say, aha, if you're a Christian, you shouldn't be doing that. If you're a Christian, you shouldn't be acting like that. And every time he told Jesus, if you are the Son of God, Jesus just hit him upside the head with the word. Hit him right upside the head. Yeah. And so he said, you be careful now. This snake is running around waiting for an opportunity to trip you up. Waiting for an opportunity for you to feel bad about yourself. Now I told you last week and I'll tell you now. Don't ever have somebody tell you you don't know who you are in Christ. Look here, you have no excuse not to know who you are in Christ. All you have to do is read the Bible. The Bible tells you who you are in Christ. You don't have to go find it. And it's right there 
in those first three chapters, and obviously the fourth chapter of Ephesians. If you read the, the four, first four chapters of Ephesians, you will not have an identity crisis. Because it tells you who you are. It tells you you're called by the Father, redeemed by the Son, and sealed by the Spirit. Are you hearing me? That's who you are. Yes, amen. Yes, amen. Right. And then it tells you that you're a family. You were far but you're here now. You, 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 you are involved in the commonwealth of Israel. And it tells you in the third chapter of history that God is going to use you as a conduit to show the world. Watch this. The manifold wisdom of God. That's who you are. You just got to sing a worship song. We need a moment for God. God is moving. The conditions are you moving. Say. So, so, so you got to understand that this enemy wants to come and then he wants to trick you up. So as a new humanity, we have to say no to that. I mean, so there's so, so that, some things about being walking, about walking in the spirit that says no to crap. You say no. You turn your back on it. You've got the power to do that. And so, 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 so when he shares with you, be careful of this guy, simply because even when you look at other scriptures, you don't have to turn there yet. And in 2 Corinthians 2, it says, look here, man, do not be ignorant of his schemes. Don't be ignorant of his schemes. And he wants to take what? An opportunity. Well, when you would even look at Romans 12, 19, you don't have to turn there. The reason why we get angry sometimes is because we want revenge. You know what God says? God says revenge is mine. Let, let me have. You know what? Sometimes you have to lose to win. Is what I'm saying. Because see, you want results right away. And then because it don't happen right now, you just have to realize, hey, you know, I lost that. God comes back and he says, Lord, you didn't lose. Because my revenge is going to take care of it. Sometimes I want people who hurt me to get punished right now. Well, this is no. That belongs to me. You got to let it go, Johnny. So one of the reasons why anger gets in there because anger is the only thing, watch this. Anger is the only thing we can control. Did you know that? Did you know you have control over your emotions? Anger is an emotion. That's why you said be careful. So he's not only saying, man, that we get angry because we want results right away. But he's saying, be careful that you don't give an opportunity to the devil. And he's also saying this in James 4, 7. Now listen to me. He says, man, you resist the devil. You know, the best way to resist the devil is to control your anger. Amen. Is anybody in church this morning? That's the best way to resist him, man. Because he wants to play on that. So here again, we're talking about the behavior of the new humanity. How does the world look at a people and see that it is going in the wrong direction? Other than to look at this new humanity, watch this, and see how this new humanity behaves. And guess what? 99.9% of how you behave is what you believe. And your belief determines your behavior. 
Christians like you used to before you became a Christian, then anger will pop up all the time. But if you know that now you're a child of God, and now instead of you reacting, you react the way Jesus wants you to react, now all of a sudden, anger's not an issue anymore. That's why you say, do not give the devil an opportunity. Amen. Don't give it to him. But I want you to understand something about this new, this godly economy. And I'm not, I'm not square. How in the world can we get God's economy out of this message? I'm going to show you something here in a little bit. Because see, when he gets to the point of stealing, he's just not talking about monetary things. But, but, but I want to set that up for you first. So what we're going to do there's a, there's, a, there's a cross reference here. We're gonna to go to we're gonna to go to 2 Corinthians. Okay? And we're gonna we're gonna look at verse 8, chapter 8, verse 12 through 15. Now, there's about 20 people in this room, maybe. So 15, 20. Now let me say this to you. What if we were on an island by ourselves? And our only survival was that each day God would give us all what we need. That's it. That's, that was our only survival. And God would come down and he would say to you, hey, look, every morning I'm going to give you your food. Now, in this group, some of you got ten kids. Some of you got two. Some of you got five. Some of you have no kids at all. And when I let this come down, all I'm asking you to do is take what you need, not what you want. See, because that's going to happen every morning. Now, this stuff is going to be good enough for you to make pancakes, waffles, you know, cookies. It's going to be good enough for that. Now, the reason why I'm telling you to do that is because I want you to trust me. I want you to trust me that I am going to provide for you. Now, that's exactly what happened in the desert. When the sun was so hot in the daytime, they had a cloud covering them. And it was so cold when it wasn't around at night that they had a pillar of fire keeping them warm. A miracle happened 40 years, day and night. And he said, look here, but I'm going to feed you, man. I'm going to give you this manna. Man, you can make manna burgers, all kinds of stuff out of this. Okay? I want you to take care of you. Well, what happened was some of the people didn't trust God, and they got greedy. And they didn't trust him for the next day. And guess what? When they went back to the little sack that it got extra, it turned into worms. Because God was saying something. I am trying to get you ready for an economy that I'm getting ready to put together. Where I am your source. I'm your natural source. I'm your physical source. I'm your spiritual source. Are you following me so far? Now, we're going to get back to Ephesians here in just a moment. When he talks about stealing, watch this. Watch how 2 Corinthians 8 looks. He says, for if the readiness is present, he wanted them to be ready to do what he asked them to do with their finances. Okay? Then he says, it is acceptable according to what a person has, 
not according to what he doesn't have. Now, all God is saying that you should be giving people. You should be people who tithe on a regular basis. You should be people who give alms and offerings on a regular basis. Because your economy is not based upon the stock market, nor the interest rate. It is based on God and God alone. That's what he's saying. And it goes all the way back to Malachi, where he says, man, you bring the, you bring the whole tithe, not a portion of it, all of it, into the storehouse. And guess what I'll do, man? I'll pour you out a blessing. Guess what else he said? I will rebuke the devourer. And you'll have what you need. So he said, they according to what a man doesn't have. It's just all what you have. So God has said, if you're a billionaire, I'm just asking for 10% of that. Guess what? If you only make 10000 a year, I'm just asking for 10% of that. See, the percentage is for everybody the same. Doesn't change. Bless you. Now look, he doesn't stop there because he's in the world that's dealing with these people from Malachi. Watch this. And then he says, for this is not for the ease of others. Watch this. It's not to get other people off the hook. This is not some socialism. This is volunteerism. Well, Y'all with me at all? This is not so you can take somebody else's responsibility for not paying their bills. Okay. But it's for what? It's for your affliction that I might use it to keep you in check as well. Watch this. But by way of what? Equality. See, some people will read what happened in the desert and call it socialism. Some people will read what we're going to look at just a moment in Acts 2 and call it socialism. It's not. It's a volunteer system. And, and then he moves on and he says what? At the present time, your abundance being a supply for their need. So God has said, anytime you get a surplus, it is not for you. It's not. It's to give away. Why? Because there's some time where you won't what? Have a surplus, you'll have what? A deficit. And you know what happened? Because somebody else's surplus will make up your what? Deficit. Are y'all getting the picture? Uh, and I just want to make sure you understand what Ephesians is talking about here because it's coming from the platform of what happened here. And then he says that, that, that abundance be a supply for their needs so that their abundance also may become a supply for your need that they may be what? Equality. See, 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 some people think equality is taken from the rich and giving to the poor. That's not equality. God, God ain't gonna punish a man for being rich. You never, you will never see that in the Word of God. God don't have problems with people becoming rich. God has a problem with people making riches to God. But what He's saying is, I want to create an even playing field. I want the rich man to understand he got rich because I allowed him to be rich. 
And there are circumstances that happen to poor sometimes about marriage, just mere circumstances. But nonetheless, in the economy of God, there should be no poor. Because those who have should take care of the poor. In God's economy. Uh, Y'all following the brother at all? Okay. Because I'm talking about a brand new society. I'm talking about a brand new humanity that exists above the fear of God. And the world needs to see that humanity. And you need to ask yourself a question. Am I a part of that humanity? Uh, yes, I've said yes to Jesus Christ. I love him. But am I behaving in that way? I mean, that's the question. Am I behaving in that way? Now, here's another part of this before we get to verse uh, 28. I'm going to look here again in Acts 2, 41 through 44, or Acts 2, 44 and 45. Uh, uh, beautiful set of scripture. Uh, now, I told you that Eusis is a five-fold church. That means you're being landed and equipped and serviced not just by a pastor, but an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, pastor and a teacher. That's what's influencing this church. That's who we are. That's who we are. Those were given to the church for her equipping, for her building up that she might do the work. But when this new society started and Acts 2 and Pentecost came, they had to develop a new economy. Because they had to depend upon what God was doing to them and not the world. They couldn't go back and live like the world because now they're in a brand new society. So when you look at Acts, 1, uh, Acts 2, 41 through 43, you'll see a progression there. But here's something about how they dealt with the economy. Check it out. It says, and all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. Now, the sad thing about Christianity across the world, that is not going on. That's what's so sad. We don't have all things in common. Man, we become so much like the world, you can't tell the difference. We become like the world and hang on our money, our passions, and our possessions. Some of the things that are happening in families today, in the Christian family, are no different than what's happening around the world. We walked away from the standard, and as a matter of fact, we lowered it because of husbands and wives and kids and all of that. I want you to tell you something. God has not changed the standard. It's not changed. And we need to live up to it. They had everything in common. Watch this. It says now. And they began selling their property and possessions as were, and were sharing them all as anyone might have need. That was voluntarily. Nobody forced him to do that. It was the move of all the spirit. That's all it was. And they were taken, they were laid at the apostles' feet, and they were distributed. That's why Ananias and Sapphira died, because they were playing with the spirit. So the whole point here is there is an economy that's not only an economic economy, but it is a natural economy, but it is also a human resource economy, but it is also a financial economy. 
And so when the writer in Ephesians comes and starts writing in verse 28, and he says, now, don't steal. What do you think he's talking about? Because you start messing up the economy of God. Are you hearing me at all? Amen. You start messing it up. Now, when he says, do not give the devil opportunity, because what does it say in John 10? 10, it says, it says the devil comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. Ladies and gentlemen, he is not a creator. He is a created being. So he has to try to interrupt what God is doing. So what you see here, he says, now, he who was steal must why did he write that? Well, he wrote that because in the church of Ephesus, people were still, watch this, stealing. The church was stealing. There were people in the church stealing. Why? Because there were some situations where some people were so poor, the only way they could survive was to go out and steal. And God says, stop it. Stop it. That is not what I've called you to do. Now, let me tell you the purpose of the message today. The purpose of the message is that because of the new humanity, God took thieves, watch this, and turned them into philanthropists. That <laughs> went right over your head. How do you take a thief and turn him into a philanthropist? How do you do that? Only by the power of God. Only by the will of God. Only by somebody understanding the behavior of a brand new economy, a brand new society that happens up under a brand new rule. God becomes your stock market. God becomes your bank. And what he had to do was change the mind of the thief and say, you don't have to take anymore. You don't have to take things that don't belong to you anymore. And he had to share that with the Ephesian church because there was some of them in there still stealing. And he said, stop it. We understand that. But hold on. He said, but rather, go to work. <laughs> Get off your butt and quit being lazy. Now, you got a lot of people out there that are homeless for good reasons. They just came on hard times. But there are some professional homeless people out there. They are professional. You ought to read about them sometime. They know who to ask for money. You know, they know how to ask for it. And they don't have to work a day in their life, man. And they prey on people who feel bad for poor people. There's some folk out there that's got a hard time. They are. But you try to get those people on the streets, off the streets, on their feet. Some of them don't, they don't want to do it because they like being homeless. So what God is saying here, he said, look, man. He said, but rather get a job. For rather go to work. Be responsible. Now, there's more to this. I want you to understand. There's more to this than we're giving a take. Okay? 
And then he says, not only do I want you to go get a job, not only do I want you to be responsible, but watch this. I want you to perform with your own hands what is good. Now what is he saying? Man, an honest work. A work where you go out and do something and you get what? Rewarded for it. Now here's this other part that I'm getting ready to show you. Stealing sometimes also means that you're taking something that belongs to somebody else that you didn't work for, even in ministry. See, some of y'all wasn't ready to hear, ready to hear that one. You let everybody else do the work and you don't do nothing. We do that in ministry. We still in the church let 20% of people do the 80% of the work. That's stealing. See, y'all didn't want to hear that part. And that's, a, that's the churches all across America. Where people walk in, they don't give money, they don't do nothing, they just come and sit on their behinds and do nothing. That's stealing. And, and yet, when you go to a restaurant and you go sit down and eat, they expect for you not only to pay what you ate for, but they expect a tip. But when you come and get a message from God, you don't need no tip, no nothing. That's stealing, man. This, see, look here. The church is hurting all across America because of that. All across of that. Now, now John, you stop preaching and going to meddling. Hey, I'm going to tell you something. What do you think he means by doing something with your own hands? He said, man, you need to get involved. Not only in the labor, but you need to get involved in God's labor. See, see y'all didn't see that in Scripture, did you? You didn't see that part. This is not an opportunity to beat you down. It's not an opportunity to beat the church. But when you study behind what was happening in the book of Ephesians, there were people who wanted something for nothing. That was in the church Paul was talking to. He wasn't talking about people outside the church. He was talking about people inside the church. And then he said this. He said so that he will have something to share. So you don't go take something from somebody else and go share it with somebody. You take something that you have and you share it. You take something that you own and you share it. Not that you get from somebody else. Church, are you hear me at all? Man, this is scripture sitting there right here talking to you. This is this new humanity. This is this new people. They have a different attitude. They have a different behavior by the way that they do things. That's real important for you to understand. So when you go back to that new society in Acts 2, 44 and 45, guess what happened, man? They took what they had so that there would be nobody around them that lacked need. We don't do that in the Christian church anymore. We're too involved in ourselves. We are. And Paul says, church, stop it. Stop stealing from each other. You know, it, it, it don't take long for you to look at the 15th chapter of the book of Romans and see that Paul says, I will never do a work where another man has already worked. I'm going to go to a place where that work is not being done at all. I'm going, wow. He said, man, somebody's already labored in that. Now, there's times when you benefit from other people's stuff. I understand that. I'm not talking about that. But what I'm saying to you is don't run over that speed bump 
of performing with his own hands. Because here's another piece I'm getting ready to break to you. You said, quit being lazy. And there's times in the Christian work, man, where we are just flat and lazy. We don't put the time in. We're, 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 we're trying to run in lines. Man, look here, I find that all over the Christian church when I'm talking with pastors, 60 of them here in our city, even before coming to church network, and they got to pull teeth to get people to do things in the church. Man, this has been going on for 35, 40 years in this city. talking about people just being lazy in the pew. Just, 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 just trying to get, you know, in run. And then when you, uh, and look, I, I'm just telling you about the church, man. I, I'm not talking to you personally. I'm not trying to beat you down. I'm just telling you about reality. Okay. And in some of the books of the prophet, it says, look here, man, you care more about your own house than you do mine. It even says in Malachi, you, you, you give your bosses more respect than you give me. That's what he means by not trying to run in runs, not trying to get there uh, through the microwave version. He said, man, it, it takes a crockpot mentality to build church. It takes time. It takes grit. People want to run it high. See, that's why we're not skipping over that, but rather, he must labor. He must labor. And then he says, performing with his own hands. Okay. So my question is this. Are you a visitor? It's good to have you here. Are you an associate? Good to have you here. But my desire for Church of Jesus is for everybody to be involved. Amen. Yes. Laboring with our own hands. You see? Working at it. Not working for your salvation, but working out your salvation with fear and trembling. Are y'all hearing the brother yes. at all? Amen. I, I, I just want to encourage you. I love you. I really tell you. But we are losing in America. And it's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. We're losing the battle out there. And it's time for people to say, that's enough. Now, here's what I close with. Last Tuesday night, I, 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 I found myself at the City Council here at Fort Collins. I'm a part of the Fort, Fort Collins Church Network. And every month we send pastors to the City Council meeting on Tuesday nights because we want the council people to know that we're behind them. We pray for our mayor, we pray for our city uh, manager, we pray for the council and all that. And I just so happened to be there that night when they were doing the first reading of the nipple bill, which 
which is a sex bill, which was basically in, introduced by a movement here. And the nipple bill basically says that women can walk around now topless. Now, six, seven months ago, we were down there with a bunch of church people to let the council know that we were against this. And they voted not to let it pass. The people sued them, sued them. And now this thing is going to go through. And here's what bothered me. There were people on the outside of our city that came in and challenged that ordinance. And now Fort Collins is going to be faced with topless women. They were on the outside of our city. Okay. Now, now, now at some point, you and I have to say, that's enough. Yes. When are we going to do that? When am I going to do that? And how am I stealing by not standing up for the things that I believe, regardless if it means shutting down the church, regardless if it means losing your 5013C, regardless if it means losing everything, because that's exactly what they in the Old and the New Testament. They were willing to lose it all for the sake of Christ. What's going to happen to the church when she starts standing up and saying, ah, no more. And that's just happened last Thursday. Somebody can take this message to the right people. They can come after me, come after you, because I'm preaching in the pulpit political issues. No, that's a moral issue. So instead of thinking about stealing money from people, instead of thinking about stealing certain things, how about stealing from God what we owe Him? How about that? How about us stepping up and stealing more and letting somebody else take the bullets that we should be taking? So don't you take this verse 27 lightly. With your own hands. Watch this. What's good? So that you will have something to share. ago that because of the condition of our nation there are people who are crying out in prayers where is the God of Elijah what I'm saying is where are the Elijah's of God where are they I'm dealing with that in my own heart because I have to say in my own steal from you anymore. And I won't steal from the body anymore. I want to labor with my own hands. 
asking you to do and the things you're asking you to stand up against. And the devil is having too much opportunity in our nation, in our city, to do what he wants. And we better quit getting mad and talking about it and do something about it. So this God economy is just not dealing with money. It's just not dealing with human resources and natural resources. It's dealing with God himself. Saying, let's work at what I've given you. Church, does that make sense to you? I hope I didn't screw those scriptures up and try to put something that it didn't belong. But I did the research. Paul said, stop stealing from each other. Stop taking the shortcut. Do your work. Take up our offering, and then we're going to close uh, in worship. And as we as we close in worship, I'm asking you to do something. See, you don't necessarily always have to come to the altar, but we we the, the altar becomes exactly what it is. It's a testimony to God, and and it's sometimes. Coming to the altar to, to, to kneel is to say, God, I'm not trying to publicly impress anybody. But I want to use this altar as a moment to say, you know what? I agree with the message. And I need you to stir up in me the call of my life. And I'll quit stealing from you. I'll quit taking shortcuts when it comes to you asking me to do things. I'll stop running. I'll stop hiding. I know I'm afraid, but perfect love casts out fear. And I know when it comes time, you'll fill me with your power. So after we take up our offering, if that's you, why don't you come join us at the altar? I say, Cindy, I want to stop stealing from you. Who would you remember on me? How would you show me how to labor? The labor. We ask that you would take this offering, the tithes, the offerings, and the offerings. And God, it's our testimony back to you that we are thanking you. Because you said, give, and it will be given unto you. But Father, we don't give for the sake that it comes back. We give because it's our act of worship. And if you choose like you promised, you said, to give it back to us, then that's the bonus. But we want to give because it's yours anyway. So bless this.